take a look at the world. That's, that's, what, that's what this flesh is. That's what our character is. Whether you want to realize that or not, our character is no better than the worst person you can think of. The worst news you've heard about, uh, all this transgender, uh, pedophile, all this stuff, our character is just as bad. You may not think it is, but at our core, our, our, we are just as wicked. Uh, your sins are no better. Um, and I'm amazed at God's mercy and God's grace. But what I told Drew on the way here, I said, what, I, what I'm starting to see and hear more and more is how the people of God, the churches, don't care. Not just here, in other countries too. Uh, they don't care. And um, this morning, what I want to preach to you about is a negative faith. Most of us want a faith that only brings, gives, and blesses. We're not interested in a faith that costs us. That's not the kind of faith we want, God. That's not faith. Yes, it is. Turn with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. We're going to read from verse 35 down to the end of the chapter. Most of you probably know this story, somewhat familiar with it, if not all. Um, Sure, about everybody's heard it once or twice. Now, maybe, I don't know, probably take a little bit of a break from preaching on faith after this morning. We'll probably go back to it sometime here before long. And then hopefully, Lord willing, we'll pick back up in Colossians. For those of you that remember, we were preaching from there. Still here a couple of pages turning. Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 35. Is everybody there? The Bible says, In the same day when evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us go over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. This has special meaning to Morgan. I just realized that. <laughs> Glory to God. Verse 36, And when they had sent the multitude away, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him, and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? I mean, folks, when they went to him, I don't think it was, Master, you need to wake up. I mean, in... I'll be honest with you, if you look at what the Bible says, it says the ship was now full. And for those of you that's ever been out in the water, in it all, if you are in a vessel that fills up with water, you have a problem. Uh, That vessel is fixing to be under the water. And uh, I've had the blessing to get to go whitewater rafting a few times. And they said they had self-belling rafts. I thought, what in the world is a self-belling raft? Well, just so you know, to point out my illustration, it's got holes in the edges under the, the tubes on the, on the sides, and underneath those are holes, and the, the middle of the raft is so they, it has designed for air, so it pushes up, so all the water pushes out to the side. And that raft has a small amount of water in it all the time. 
But boats are designed with bilge pumps, different things to keep the water out, not in. There's a message there too about the water getting in, but we're, we're not preaching about that today. And so they were panicking. And, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, if I was on a boat out in the middle of the water and it got full of water, I'd probably be a little bit on edge too. I'd be looking for a life jacket, a life something. In verse 39, it says, He arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Father, we thank you again for this day that you've given us. And God, for this time together. And Lord, I pray today that God, you meet with us. Holy Spirit, I'm not wanting to be heard. I'm not wanting people to come in on me. I want them to come in on you. And Lord, I don't know sometimes in my mind and in my flesh, God, I don't know how sometimes to describe you or get across to people what you show me in my heart. But Lord, I need you to every time and I need you to this morning. Lord, move me out of the way. They don't need to see me. I'm nothing, God. I'm not anything and never let me think I am. But God, you're everything and I want to exalt you this morning in this message. And God, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, if there's any question or doubt in their heart that they're born again, I pray that you speak to their hearts and show them that they're lost and they need you. In Jesus, your name we pray. Amen. Now, I'm going to, in setting this, I want to back up and kind of move forward a little bit, just some water rib. I want to. I don't want to belong this or belabor the point, but please. Uh, Try to give me your attention this morning. I'll try to get you out here again at a decent time. Uh, but I, I need a little bit of time here to get the, the scene set. If you look back in your Bibles, in the previous verses, you find that Jesus gave the parable of the sower. And in Matthew's gospel, it goes in much more detail than what Mark does. Uh, Mark points out some things and details that some uh, books and some Bibles do not, and uh, others do. But nevertheless, uh, we have Matthew or Mark giving us this story, and then Jesus explained it to his disciples in private. By this point, the rejection had become so that they uh, had their ears had turned deaf to what Jesus was saying. So he had to speak to them in parables, trying to get the people to understand what he was saying. A parable is an illustration. Uh, like this, I could read you a scripture from the Bible and I could sometimes look at some of your face and some of your eyes and I can see that it's not clicking. So that means I have to try to illustrate what that verse means to get you to understand what the Bible is saying. That's what Jesus was trying to do by giving parables. He was trying to say, look, you're not getting simple language, so let me try another method here. Uh, and if, if you can't understand what Jesus is saying, you're probably bad shape. Anyway, let me move on. Uh, but he goes on and he tells the disciples, he talks about the, the candle. We make that comparison. Do you buy a candle and put it under a bushel, light it, put it under a bed? No, you put it up where people can see it so it'll give off its light like it's designed to do. And notice in verse 23, it says, if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. In verse 24, he said unto them, take heed what he hear. 
with what measure he meet. It shall be measured to you, and unto you that here shall more be given. In other words, if you if if Jesus are saying, if my instructions are are told to you, the word of God is presented to you, and you hear that more will be given. Too much of the time, we as a church, as Christians, God's people, will hear God speak to us, and it'll go in here, but it doesn't go much past uh, that uh, particular piece of your ear that causes us to hear. It doesn't enter into our minds, and God forbid it gets in our heart uh, and changes us better for God, uh, but it, it, it's, that's just designed... So in verse 25, he says, For he that hath to him shall be given, and he that hath not from him shall be taken, even that which he hath. You know, sometimes we try to save our life and keep a hold of what we got, and it cost us a whole lot more than what we would if we would just devote ourselves to God and do what was right. In verse 26, And he saith unto him, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep and rise Night and day and the seed should spring and grow up and he knoweth not how. I'll be honest with you, I've helped plant a few gardens in my life, some by choice and not by choice. What I mean by that is my grandfather had one of the finest gardens you could lay eyes on. And as a young teenager that had the, the privilege and the blessing of growing up within a half a mile of my grandparents, I was uh, tasked with helping him in the garden many times. And I didn't like how Papa gardened sometimes. Papa didn't do it the easy way. He did it Papa's way. He would take and he would drop a string here and run it out to the other end of that garden. By the way, it was longer than this church, at least this sanctuary. And he and you followed that string. You didn't get out of line. And when he laid off his potatoes, you took a shovel and shoveled the row and laid the dirt uphill so he had plenty of dirt to cover the potatoes up. I said, Papa, why don't you just let me take a hoe and drag it out? He said, there's no dirt. I said, you got a garden full of it. I convinced him to let me do it that way one time. Notice I said, one time. But his garden was beautiful. And yet in my mind as I would take those potatoes and put them in the ground, cover them up, and a few months later you see those potato vines and you see all kinds of potatoes. Here's the corn growing up in the beans. He would plant and come up the corn and he would also have beans with their own uh, strings and stuff attached. Yet I cannot tell you how that little seed did what it did. But, it, but every time I see a garden, I think about that. It grows. I've heard the saying, you might count the seeds in an apple, but only God can, out, can count the apples in that seed. You and I must realize that you don't understand everything that's going on in your life that God is doing, but you must trust the process. You don't see how it's happening. I don't see how it's going on. Let me read on. He says, For the earth bringeth forth her fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after the full corn in the ear. And when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth forth the sickle. I can't read. Because the harvest has come. Now verse 30, he said unto them, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with it uh, compare, since shall we compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth, it is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. Most of you probably have not, Some, all of you may have, I don't know, have actually seen 
the, the seed of mustard that he's describing right here, this little seed, it is the size of the pinhead. It is one of the smallest seeds I have ever seen in my life. Some women I have seen has a necklace with the little medallion type thing or whatever it's called uh, down at, hanging off that necklace in the middle or one of those little seeds. And it is super tiny. And yet, notice what it says right here. And it says in verse 32, but when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all the herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. And with many such parables spake he the word unto them as they were uh, able to hear it. You know, this morning in Sunday school class, we were talking about babes desiring the sincere milk of the word, talking about young Christians. We got too many, our churches, this one too, is full of too many Christians who are never grown. You're still babies. I can't preach to some of you what I can preach to other people. I can't give to you what I can to other people because you're not able to withstand it. Some of you, I've watched since I've been here in the six years, some of you started out good. Some of you were flying high and you were growing and COVID hit and you nose died and you still ain't dug your nose out of the dirt. I'm just... Huh. Verse 34, But without a parable spake he not unto them and when they were alone... He expounded all things to his disciples. You know why he expounded all things to his disciples when he was alone? Because they were able to hear. And if you read on down, you keep reading past the story I just read to you, you go to Mark chapter five. The next story is the Gadarean, the legion, the demonic. They got, they, when they made it to the other side of the lake, here come legion out, how the tomb, rah, like a wild man, naked, cut out of pieces. They tried to paint him down. They couldn't. He was possessed of so many demons. And here, these disciples had just witnessed what Jesus could do to the ocean and to the sea and to the wind. Now let's back it up. There's something I want to point out to you, and I'm getting ready to get into the message. So if they had only realized when Jesus said, let's go to the other side, the word that God speaks to you outweighs anything that you see. Now, some of you may be comfortable in a John boat or a little aluminum fishing boat that's full of water. I'm going to go and tell you, if you think that's true, go on YouTube and YouTube boats, little boats full of water and see what happens when they get full of water. They lose the boat. It goes to the bottom. Five feet or 500 feet, it ain't coming back. And you notice one thing the disciples didn't say to Jesus when they said, Master, care not not that we perish? What did the Bible say? That there were other little ships with them. They didn't ask him about them. They just on their own. That nice something, wasn't it? All right. Let me give you a little more introduction then we're going to preach. <laughs> As I've already said you and I, me included a lot of times, God has shown me this though. We want the kind of faith that brings healing to our loved ones. We want the kind of faith that gets our bills paid. That keeps any wrong out of our life. That lets us sleep comfortably at night on the best mattress money can buy. That our air conditioning and our heat does not go out. And if it does, somehow God magically goes, Zaps that thing back on. 
That's the kind of faith we want. Well, that's not all that faith is. We don't want anything hard. God forbid he tests our faith. We don't want any loss. Just gain, just gain, gain. Make life easy, God. Preacher, tell me how I can get through life and not have any heartache or pain. Preacher, tell me how I can get this from God. There's books out there like that if you want to read them. They exist. And I'll tell you what they're going to do. They're going to laugh at you all the way to the bank. We don't want to lose life. We want to gain. The Bible says those... Let me read it so I get it right. He said in in Mark's Gospel, chapter 8, he says, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You know, it's amazing to me how people drive after everything on this earth they can while they're alive, but when it comes down to death, they're willing to give up everything they ever worked for for another minute of life. One of the problems we've got in our faith is we have faith in our faith, not faith in God. Now now listen to this just for a minute. Most of us pray and ask God for something and it doesn't happen, so we think our faith is not why it happened. That is a teaching that is false, by the way, throughout so-called churches in America today and the world. Your faith is not in you or in what your faith is. Your faith is supposed to be in God and Him alone and not how much faith you've got in Him to answer your prayer the way you want it. We don't want faith that may not heal us. We don't want faith that may cause us to lose. We want faith that only gives. Make my life better, preacher. Let me give you a couple examples quickly some may be hurtful and I don't mean to point out anybody and I don't mean to hurt anybody so please that's not my goal a few years ago sister Annette got sick she had COVID she went to the hospital they did right or wrong you can argue that till you're blue in the face and I'll be honest with you I don't know that it really matters you say but God allowed this whatever the reason in my mind God's sovereignty, God knew what day Annette Burns was going to leave this earth by some form or another. Now we can speed up that process, by the way, by our sins. I'm not saying she did. But we prayed. I had people pray. You have people pray. We had all kinds of people pray. And on, I don't remember the exact date, so forgive me the exact time, but on that date and time she left this earth and entered into the gates of glory. I heard Dale preach again the other night and I don't know too many people that's had more people pray for them than what Rachel Vance had praying for her the second time she got cancer. But on November, in November God said her life is done there her life begins here and she was called home. No amount of faith was going to change that. There was nothing wrong with somebody's faith. Faith wasn't the problem. The problem was it was God's sovereignty and you and I must accept sometimes negative faith 
mean by that is we must trust God that he knows best no matter how the outcome and say God you're God and I'm trusting you and I'm going to praise you anyway that's the kind of faith we don't want I heard a story this week I was listening to a message I was blessed to be able to mow all day Friday rather than set monuments if you've never set a monument, you need to. It'd do you some good, some good brute work. And I was listening to this message, and I can't guarantee the accuracy of this story. And I'm trying to hurry, but and I can't guarantee you how authentic it is. But I trust in it because of who told it. But the preacher was telling that back around the time the Soviet Union, Soviet Union fell. There were hundreds of preachers in prison for years by the Soviets simply for one simple reason. Preaching the gospel. And they tortured them in ways that you and I cannot comprehend. They would make them stand barefooted on a frozen lake for hours. All they had to do was say, Jesus, I no longer believe in you. And they were set free. I won't preach anymore. I won't mention him anymore. The thing, you all have heard me tell some of the things they did to these preachers is, I mean, mind-numbingly unbearable. What they did to them. This one, and it, this preacher, American, got to be over there. He was there around the time the Soviet Union fell and they somehow had a meeting of a bunch of the preachers that were in prison. They all were standing up one by one giving their testimony of what the Russians had done to them. This one stood up. It was his turn. He said, they tortured me. <laughs> This is a heartbreaking story. See, they tortured me to the point that finally they couldn't get me to break, so they brought in my two daughters. Started torturing them. He didn't say what they did to him at first. I'm going to let you adults figure it out. They said, well, that's not enough. We're going to see to it they never hear your voice again. So right in front of him, they took those two girls and deathened them. He got to watch it. And all along, those two daughters are saying, Daddy, don't you dare recant. Recant. Don't you give up on Jesus. Don't you quit on Jesus. Don't, don't you worry about what they do to us. You stay true to Jesus. They said, all right, if that's not enough, we'll see to it you never hear their voice again. They cut their tongue out. They can't speak. The last words they spoke, Daddy, don't you quit on Jesus. Do you think they gave him any kind of Novocaine, any kind of pain medicine for that? You're out of your mind if you think that. And the preacher said he noticed over in the corner there was a lady doing sign language and there were two girls sitting there. So he walked over and said, are you the two daughters? They said, yes, through sign language. Now, let me ask you all a question. What's the last thing you've really done for God that cost you something? And you want to compare yourself to people like that? Church half the time when the door Bless God forbid, go do something extra. You know how long it's been since I filled that track right back there? I mention this, but it doesn't do any good. I still don't have to fill it. That tells me you're not passing out tracks. Now, Get ready, because here she comes. God's dealt with me, and I'm going to share it.
You and I don't realize the blessings we miss out on because we won't give anything to God. You, everybody in here, I had to point it, start at somebody. Everybody in here, me included, are not willing to give up our precious little time or our precious little plans and my precious little desires to do anything God wants me to do that's outside of what I consider ordinary or comfortable for me. And then you want to stand at the judgment seat of Christ beside a man who watched his daughters get tortured and all he had to do was say, I'll never say his name again. That's it. Better yet, let's take it a step further. When you and I stand for Jesus, do you realize that the male prints are still there? The hole in the side is still there. The holes in the feet are still there. They have to be because that is his covenant with you and I that he made with God for you and I. And you're going to stand before him and say, well, Jesus, I was, I just wasn't comfortable. I was busy. I had stuff to do. You don't understand, God. Yeah, I'm quite sure he understands. You better believe it. God knows my heart. Yeah, he sure does. That's why the Bible says our hearts are simply wicked above all. Who can know it? Y'all love me? Our faith must be it such that we see only God and what he said and his blessings, not the things of this world. Even things you think are important sometimes. Now let me preach to you just for a few minutes and I'll be done. He said here in this story, he said, but in the same day when the evening was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. When they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship and there was also with him other little ships. So Jesus spoke the words, let us pass over unto the other side. When God gives you something, when he gives you a verse, he gives you a word, nothing changes that. Nothing alters that. That is what matters. That is what you sink your claws into. That is what you put your faith in. Not in your faith, not in what's going on around you, not in what other people are doing, not if they're doing it, you're not, they're not doing it, you are, whatever it is. It's what God's word says. And it will cost you something. So number one, you need a faith that has ears. You need to hear what God's word says and nothing else. Not your own mind. Not your own heart. God forbid you. People say, well, just follow your heart. That's the worst advice you ever get. I've told people, God will give you the desires of your heart if you'll submit to him and do things his way. He'll put the desires in your heart that you need to be happy, joyful, loving, caring. And have a life that's fulfilling. I'll use Brother Jason Sparks real quick as an example. Some of you may not know this. And I know he could come across as wild and all these things and you've got to look past that somewhat. But do you realize his degree, he could be making probably close to a quarter million dollars a year right now? He was a banker. And he was climbing the ladder. Believe it or not, he's actually very intelligent. I know. I find it hard to believe. I aggravate him about that sometimes. He gave that up 
for Jesus. And I'm just using him as an example. Let me ask you a question. You may not have that same testimony, but do you and I understand that if we'd be willing to give some things up for Jesus, to have ears, what he could bless us with, the joy you could have? Folks, I'd rather have God's blessing with a dime than $100 from the world. Way so much better. You must have ears that can hear. You must have a faith that has ears. In verse 37, and there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. You must have a faith that entrusts. You must have faith that has ears. You must have a faith that entrusts. In other words, you entrust everything to what the word of God says. Let me go ahead and give you some more instruction. I don't normally preach this way, but God has led me to. There's people out there that's got all kinds of videos, all kinds of books, and they say, God gave me a new revelation. No, he didn't. They're a liar. I'll tell you who gave me a new revelation. The God of this world. God has given us all the revelation he's going to give us right here. If they say something like that, go ahead and turn them off. Because whatever else they got to say does not line up with this. They will take scriptures and lift them out of context, twist them to make them mean and sound so convincing what they want the scripture to say. God has given us the revelation. You need a faith that is everlasting, that endures. And let me tell you something. Your reputation will take a beating sometimes. You need a faith and trust. You entrust what God's word says. You entrust what the Holy Spirit showed you in the prayer closet when it just showed him spending hopefully more than 10 minutes in prayer and then studying your Bible an hour or two probably do a lot of us a little good and spend some real time with Jesus. Then Holy Spirit will speak to you. Some real time. Take some interest in God every now and then. Let me go ahead and hit this while I'm at it. Man, I'm just going to let it all go. You need to take some interest in your kids too. You need a faith that entrusts entirely in what God's word said. It's amazing to me that we trust God's word with our eternal life and we don't trust him with our next meal here. That doesn't add up, does it? Huh. You see, the problem was in verse 38, and he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and said to him, Master, carest not thou that we perish? You need a faith that has ears, you need a faith that entrusts, you need to have a faith that endures. Amen. Now let me back up. If you remember, I read to you when I started about the people who did not hear the words of Christ. They were sitting right there in front of him. It wasn't that they couldn't hear him. They were right there. They ignored and didn't believe what he said. They rejected his truth for their truth. There is no other truth outside the word of God. We need a faith that endures, not looks for escape. The one thing we try to do when life life gets tough and a Christian life gets hard the first thing we do is look for an escape out of this trial how can I escape from this God 
What can I do so I can have my uh, 10 hours of sleep back? What can I do that I don't have anything uncomfortable in my life? What can I do to get things back to rosy red and, and comfort glow? God, what can I do? God forbid I go through trial. God forbid I got a faith that might cost me something. Yet your reputation might take a beating some of your friends, some of your family. So be it. What does God think? Do we not care what God thinks? Does it not matter? I'm amazed at Christians sometimes who say, I'm going to do what I want to do and I don't care what anybody thinks. What about what God thinks? In a matter of moments, what Jesus said. You see, here's one of the problems. Because God lives in another realm than what you and I live. His ways are our ways. His thoughts are our thoughts. His ways are higher than ours so that we can't even understand them. It didn't take them long to hear Jesus say, let us go into the other side. Now with man, that was impossible because the boat was full of water. Can't be done. You're going to sink. God doesn't live in the natural realm. He could care less how much water gets in the boat. He's not worried about that. He's in the boat. Who do you think made the water? Who do you think made the boat? Who do you think gave you breath? And he said, let us go to the other side. There's going to be times in your life that God's going to want to take you to the other side. He's going to want to get you to the other side of something, a place in your life, a a, a trial, something He's trying to get you to grow and bless you in the end. But if you try to bail out at the last minute or halfway through, you won't get the blessing. You'll miss it. That's what I'm interested in. There's nothing wrong with wanting the blessings of God. God forbid we should want them. Master, cares thou not that we perish? Let me ask you a question and I'll try to move on to the next point. If he cared enough for you and I to suffer like he suffered, to keep you from perishing and going to hell, don't you think he cares enough about you now to take care of you, even when it looks like he's not? Folks, sometimes it's hard to do the right thing, but we must do the right thing because it's the right thing and it's what God's word says. You will never, ever, ever go wrong by doing what's right. Your plans must not be altered to to get God to match you. No, you must alter your plans to match God's word. Period. That's it. People will tell you, if you'll just have faith, this will happen or that will happen. Most of the people are messengers of Satan, by the way. I'm going to go ahead and do a little name drop here, so don't get mad at me very famous, well-known public speaker. Notice I didn't say preacher. Miss Joyce Myers. She had a platform for a while. She said some good things. I listened to her at times. Wrote some good books. She finally come clean. She said, you know, I thought for years if you just had faith and trust in God, you'd have health and money. I heard that with my own ears. I didn't need somebody to tell me that. You see, folks, That's not Bible. It's not Bible. It's not even close. 
I wonder sometimes about certain people I read in the Bible. You know, old Job. Let's compare ourselves to Job for a minute. Yeah, he got double what he had before. But you know what? He lived the rest of his life with a broken heart that he had kids that died that he never got grandkids from or see again. Somehow we fail to mention that. His faith cost him. It hurt. When you read Hebrews chapter 11, the roll call of the hall of faith, do you realize who the first person mentioned is? You remember? You may remember who the first person mentioned is? Abel. What did Abel's faith cost him? His life. His life. But now let's take it a step further. I don't know about you, but I'd sure like to have my name written in the roll call of the Hall of Faith, wouldn't you? If you're not willing to give your life, you're not going to get there. He gave his life for it. And so did everyone else in that, in that particular section too. They may not have died, but they gave their life. They gave everything they had to God and trusted Him, and God multiplied. Abel, if Jesus was going to come through, and Cain said, I'll fix that. He didn't know that, but humor me just a little bit. The Bible says that Cain left, and he said, everywhere I go, people's going to want to kill me. God said, I'll put a mark on you so they won't. You know, Adam and Eve must have had a lot of kids for other people to know who he was and to kill him. They weren't the only two children they had. That's the only two we read about. Remember, disease and stuff hadn't entered into the earth yet. Sin hadn't, hadn't come full force. Well, it did, but not in those areas. It cost him his life. And he's the first one mentioned in the roll call of the Hall of Faith. Number one. You know the amazing thing about collectibles. I was told, the guy that I work with, we were on a long trip the other day. We got talking about ball cards. Football, baseball, basketball. Some of those got some serious value. Some of them I'd like to have my hands on. Just being honest. I said, the number one you want is the rookie card. There's where the money's at. It's in the rookie cards. Abel is the number one rookie in the roll call of the Hall of Faith. He's the number one draft pick. Does that mean anything to you? Yes, I know he was on earth first. I get that. But God can go in whatever order he wants. He wrote it. <laughs> let, me, let me try to wrap this thing up. I don't want to belabor it. Verse 39, he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. You must have a faith that has ears. You must have a faith that entrusts. You must have a faith that endures because you can't always look for an escape. It's not going to always be an escape. There's a lot of heartache in life. There is not an escape from. You must have a faith that exceeds. It exceeds the situation. It exceeds your fears. It exceeds the problems. It's a faith only in God and Him alone. You must have a faith that exceeds all common knowledge, all things around you. He said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? 
And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? You know what would have been great? If they would have got to the other side and Jesus would have woken up, got to get his nap, there's nothing that makes me any matter than somebody waking me up early from a nap. Now, if you're too young to take a nap yet, don't worry, your days are coming. I'm going to pick on Jeremy a second. He don't care because I've done it before. He ain't got a choice. I got the four right now. He said he's figured out in life that naps don't help him recover. I said, son, you ain't old enough yet. I said, it'll come. That's annoying somebody wake you, especially when they didn't need to. That's what gets me. I've had Amber or kids come in and wake me up from a nap and I'm like, are you serious? This is what you woke me up for? Wouldn't it have been something if Jesus looked at him and said, leave me alone and went back to sleep. And you know what? He could have. Now there's two things about this I want to point out. I've yet to figure out how the water hadn't got to him because the boat was, was full of water. I don't know where he was at, but it was somewhere that was dry. That pillow was dry. And yet they forgot what he told them. You see, sometimes in the storms, when the storm comes, the first thing Satan wants you to do is forget what God told you and get you to look at the problem and how you can escape from it. That's why you've got to have ears to have faith. You've got to have ears of faith that endures and a faith that entrusts and a faith that exceeds all your understanding because God's ways do not make sense. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is found in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Just Philippians. He said in verse 5, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. In other words, don't get tore up over nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And here it is. But see, that's the catch, what I just read to you. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If these guys would have only realized, they would have looked at each other and said, I don't know how this boat is going to float. I don't know how we're going to get there, but Jesus said we're going to the other side and we're going to get there one way or the other. I wonder how the Bible would have been different. Because when they landed, and here come Legion out of the tombs, and Jesus had got his full nap in, and those guys said, can you believe we made it here with a boat full of water? They went off to the other little ships and said, hey, how did you all do? They said, our boat was flying. They said, it was running over the sides. How did we float? It was because of him. Because of him. He was on board. It's all him. Look at him. Honor him. Glorify him. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And we didn't have to worry about what was going to happen. You were on board. Are you on board with him? Or are you looking for your own little boat to do things your way? Because you ain't got time for Jesus. I got stuff to do. I realize we all got stuff to do. I'm not oblivious to that. Most of you have stuff to do because you don't want to do stuff for God. You're too wrapped up in you and what you want to do and enjoy the things of this world. Forget God. Forget the church preacher. I'm busy. I got stuff to do. 
I bet he looks down and says, man, oh man, I died for them. Can you look there? If that doesn't sting, folks, there's something bad wrong with you. You probably need to get saved. And it should sting even if you're not. God has teaching me some things about my faith the last few weeks. It wasn't what I thought it was. And it wasn't always where it needed to be. I've had people ask me. Somebody asked Amber just the other day. She was, and I don't remember how the Zach story goes, and I'm done with this. When you witness to people, the first thing they want to do is somehow attack God and your beliefs. They've been taught that by the media and the world, by the way. And normally, people say, what about all these babies that suffer and people dying and never get to hear the gospel? One of the first things I do is I say, well, I'll briefly answer that, but I want to get back to what really matters. And I'll take them to Romans chapter 1. And I, I mention this all the time. If it ain't gotten your, in your head yet, I guess it's going to get, have ears to hear. It said when they knew God, they worshipped Him not as God. But they worshiped the four-footed beast, the fowl of the air. They worshiped the creation more than the creator. Let me put it in your lap. Your worship of God is going to affect your kids and your grandkids and their kids. Because the reason those people in these jungles and faraway places didn't hear the gospel is because their ancestors said, away with God. We don't want God. And now their generations are paying the price for it and dying, going to hell by the thousands. So what you do with God and your faith that you think it's just supposed to make everything right. Let me ask you something. Is Jesus on the boat? Then you aren't going down. You're going to stay afloat. And I feel for those people that don't hear the gospel. By the way, the Bible also answers that. It says that God created the earth and the heavens so they can look and see there is a God. And if they'll call on Him as much as they know how, He'll hear them. They can look and see there's a God. I don't, you know something? I said I was done. I'm, I, I am. We shouldn't need a feel good song to get us in the mood for serving, praising God. He's enough to just say, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me life, God. I didn't have any hope. I was going down the toads of this world. I was becoming a drug addict and alcoholic. I was going places I shouldn't have been. And God, you saved me. That's all. That's enough to praise Him. You shouldn't need no feel-good tune to get you going. We ought to come into church ready and thank Him for what He done. You should have been thanking Him for you got here. Let me ask you something. Next time this church asks you to do something for God, are you going to do it or are you going to say, I don't have negative faith. i got a positive faith. i got things to do. Because your answer, your actions on that day answers the question I just asked you. So don't look at me and say, preacher, you don't understand. No, you better look at God and tell him he understands. I realize we can't make it to everything, folks. I can't. I realize you can't be here every time the doors are open. I can't. My wife was home today because her kid was sick. 
too many times, too many of us, find things to do that we say we've got to do that keeps us from doing what God has asked us to do. Father, we thank you again for this time together. God, you've sure dealt with me the last few weeks on my walk with you. I've asked you to clean me. I've asked you to show me where I'm failing you. God, you're showing me some things. Lord, I'll be honest, it's a little nerve-wracking sometimes. It's a little scary where I feel like some of the ways you're leading me, God, in my life and crucifying this flesh and dying for you. Lord, I want to honor you. I'm only going to be here a short time. I'm going to be with you for eternity. I sure want to be comfortable with you. I don't want to look at you being comfortable because of the neglect that I had. Lord, we need everybody in this church to be involved. God, we need help. People are dying and going to hell. And God, we got to do more. We got to do more. I pray that each person in here decides in their heart this week they're going to give at least one track to one person. God, it's so easy. Every one of us goes somewhere and eats somewhere almost once a week. How easy it is to lay a track down when we leave our tip, when we go through the drive-thru, when we run a checkout at a store, whatever it may be, God, it's not that hard. We just don't love you enough because that's a faith that brings negative to this flesh and we ain't interested in that. I pray that we get interested in it, God. I pray this message resonates with people and I pray I've preached what you've given me and nothing more, nothing less. Deal with hearts as you see fit. God, most of all, for someone here that doesn't know you and they're not real sure about what's going on but they know you're speaking to them right now they know their hearts beating out their chest and they know that there's something happening they can't explain them. God, that's you dealing with them, Holy Spirit, show them that they're lost and they're going to die and go to hell without you. God, if someone is old enough to recognize that, they're old enough to go to hell. So Father, I pray that you deal with hearts, draw them near, Lord. God, if that's someone here this morning, I pray that you give them the courage to come to this altar and just simply believe in you. That's all the Bible says, Jesus, just believe in you. They don't have to pray no, pray no big prayer. They don't even know any, have to know hardly anything about you. Just believe in you. That's all. And Lord, we love you we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If that's you this morning, why don't you come slip out of your seat? Why don't you put aside what anybody may think, what anybody may say, and say, I'm going to go, and I'm going to find out who this Jesus is. Or if you're here this morning and you say, Preacher, you sure preached to me. God sure spoke to me. How about come to the altar and doing business with him? A faith that costs, sometimes will cost you a lot of things. But the rewards are so worth it. So worth are the rewards. As we stand, we get a song. Whatever your need is this morning, I invite you to come to this altar.